Jeremiah 17, I'm going to let you remain seated for the scripture reading this morning, or this evening, I should say. And uh, yes, we had quite an incredible time in Indiana. A lot of things I could say. We heard about uh, maybe, I don't know, 20 different messages over the course of the week, and uh, maybe a few more, maybe a few less, something like that, and a number of preachers and so forth. And there, there are fiery preachers in the, in the, I almost started to say the South, uh, I felt like we were in the South, to be honest with you. There, there a lot of preachers from Tennessee and Georgia and, and Kentucky and uh, southern Ohio. And, uh, of course, we were in south-central uh, Indiana, of course. Had a great time. Brother Phipps just called me just uh, about a half hour ago. I, didn't, I missed his call, but he just called to evidently say hello whatever. And uh, he will be with us next month for just a Wednesday night service. He and Shirlene, and uh, they were very gracious hosts to uh, us and the Parmars, of course. I'd like to say a lot about that if I could. Um, now, I don't want to scare you. Uh, I told you I'm in a good mood tonight here, but Jeremiah and Isaiah, we would like to read from both of these books. If you notice, they're long books, very long books, chapter-wise. And they're very sobering books because they're talking about the decline and the fall of Judah and Israel, the southern kingdom especially. These two texts both chronicle the prophecy, Jeremiah 17, of Israel and their their why they fell, and this is the year 601 B.C., according to Schofield. And uh, then we'll look at Isaiah 5, and for time's sake, I have 21 verses I'm prepping you right now. Got to wave uh, some serious introduction. I'm going to read all the verses for time's sake, but follow along as I read, please. And uh, uh, we'll announce our text tonight. We're trying to get ready for revival meetings. And uh, that's the purpose of this message tonight. And I, I don't mind telling you, uh, you say, Preacher, where to get your messages? Well, it depends. <laughs> and uh, tonight's message came from... Uh, I had fully intended on preaching a totally different message about two and a half hours ago. And um, I was going through, I'll show it to you. I preached this message, I found this message in my archives from 1988. I preached this on November 13th, 1988 to 37 people in attendance, of course. And the title of the message is, don't get nervous. Well, maybe you should get nervous, I don't know. But Steps to Gospel Hardness. And um, I rank my sermons now, I'm going to get serious here if I can here. I'm just in a kind of a happy, just praiseful mood tonight. But I rank my sermons. I do a 1 to 10 sermon ranking. And I've done this for 33 years. I rank my own, I rank my own messages, okay, in the service. And, uh, and this uh, 10, obviously, is the best. I never got a 10. I got a couple nines in the, in the few years of preaching. I got a, a number of eights, but not very many eights. Most of my messages are four, five, and sixes. You know what I'm saying? But every once in a while, I dropped up a total bomb, and it's a one or a two. This message was a, was a two. This was, I'm really getting excited for this message. I put a little note in my Bible, and, and I just kind of go down through my diary, and I look at my numbers, and I get to a two, threes. I don't even look at the, what I preach because I know it was a bomb. Well, this was a, this was a two, number two message. And uh, amen, you're excited about hearing this message tonight, I'm sure. But I haven't preached it in 30 years, almost 30 years. And uh, I thought, you know, I looked at it, and I said, you know, this is a message. I was looking for something else. And uh, this is a message for us tonight. And really, don't turn your ears off. But really, it's not for you tonight because you're in the house of God. It's uh, for those people that will never hear. A lot of people are not in the house of God tonight. And many have good excuses, our senior saints. And some folks legitimately can't be here, and for many reasons. And there's numbers of reasons. But there are some that could be here or could be in another church somewhere tonight or this morning that they've chosen not to be. And with that said, in way of introduction, let me read, and I'll try to read very as quickly as I can read as without uh, uh, misunderstanding. 
Let me read the verses. I like to read the entire chapter, but for time's sake, we're going to spot read, as I call it. Jeremiah 17, follow along, 21 verses, here we go, in five minutes of introduction. Look at verse number 1 through 5. Jeremiah 17, verse 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart, and upon the horns of their altars. Whilst their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills. They, they had forsaken, I went to a grove when I was in and uh, they forsake, forsook the house of God, and they made their own form of worship, and they went to the woods, essentially. They went to the high places, and they made their own parks, and they said, we'll worship God the way we want to worship God. This is their version of worshiping God. Uh, I can worship God anywhere. I can worship him on my boat on Sunday if I want to. That's what they were doing. It says, oh, my mountain, in verse 3, in the field, I will give substance and all thy treasure to the spoil, and thy high places for sin. Throughout all thy borders, and thou, even thyself, shalt discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee. And I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not. For ye have kindled a fire in mine anger, which shall burn forever. God got upset at these people. His chosen. This is the apple of his eye. This is Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And make his flesh his arm, and whose heart despiseth from the Lord. Verse 7, for time's sake. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the, the Lord is. Verses 8 through 10. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth forth her roots by the river. And shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be uh, careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Sounds like Psalm 1. The heart, though, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of, their, of his doings. Verse 13, for time's sake. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from thee shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Let's skip down to verse number 19 and look at verse 19 through 23. Thus saith the Lord unto me, Go stand in the gate of the children of the people, whereby the kings of Judah come in, and by which they go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem. I was there in the city of Dan, the ancient ruins of Dan, and I, I got a vivid picture in my mind. These high gates, they had, they basically they had three, three walls of gates, or three, three walls, and they had the gate entrance to where the, the, the aged men, the Jobs, or the... Uh, uh, they lot who sat at the gate, remember? And they, they judge and they, they let people either come into the city or not come into the city, depending on what their business was. He said, Jeremiah, go and stand at the gate. In verse 21, I think it is, 21. Thus saith the Lord, take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day. This is what he was supposed to say at the gate. Nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day. They were violating the Lord's Sabbath, is what was happening. Neither do any work, but hallow ye the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they, verse 23, in fact, that's one of the key verses. Read it with me, please. Ready? But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. Wow, let me read that one more time. But they obeyed not neither inclined their ear, but made their necks stiff, 
that they might not hear nor receive instruction. For time's sake, go over to Isaiah chapter 5, and let's read seven more verses over there. Isaiah 5, same context, 150 years earlier. God's still speaking about Israel, and he's giving the prophecy of their upcoming destruction because of their, their hardness of heart. In Jeremiah chapter, or Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, let me read. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein. And he looked and that it should bring forth fruit grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O Israel, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judea or Judah, Judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. Verse 4. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, I, when I looked that I, I should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. For time's sake, we'll go all the way to verse 24, 25. Just glance at verses 20, 21, 22. They're very famous verses. Many of you here, preachers, quote them from time to time. Won't uh, um, those that call good evil and evil good, of course, verse 20. One of them that are wise in their own eyes, verse 21. One of them that are mighty to drink wine, and etc. And we get to verse 24. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the, the stubble, God's making a concludatory statement. He says, therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness. He's talking about his people, Israel. And their blossoms shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Verse 25 is our next or second key verse. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people and he has stretched forth his hand against them and have smitten them and the hills did tremble and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. Now, verse number 25, the last part of the verse, notice what it says. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. I want to deal with steps to gospel hardness tonight. I just have three I want to talk about as we transition and we think of our New Testament economy as New Testament Christians. But... Many things could be attributed to the downfall of Israel, God's chosen people here in Isaiah 5, in Jeremiah 17. In fact, I think if you want to, if you would, please go back to Jeremiah 17 while still laying the groundwork for the message tonight. I think we could attribute at least six things to the downfall of God's chosen people as we read in these passages of Scripture. We see what their problem was. And I just, I, I summarized them, and here they are. Number one, they lightly esteemed the gospel of their salvation. They lightly esteemed the, the word of God, in other words, the, 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 the God of their salvation. They, 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 uh, pardon me, they lightly esteemed the God of their salvation, not the gospel, the God of their salvation. They, they took for granted their privilege of being children of God. Out of all the nations in the world, Israel, out of all the people in the world, God chose Israel. Divine election, divine sovereignty, God chose Israel. I was telling Paul just a moment ago, hey, uh, I mean, we could count here. We have uh, maybe 40 of us, whatever there is, maybe 20, 30 downstairs, whatever's downstairs. 
60 or 70 of us, and I don't say this to boast or brag or to flaunt our, uh, or to uplift ourselves in a false humility or, false, or in a pride. But I told Paul before the service, I think it's safe to say that I, I don't think you can find a church in all of western Connecticut, southwestern Connecticut, all the way up to the Massachusetts border. I don't think you'll find more Christians gathered in any type of church, Baptist or otherwise, on a Sunday night service than we have here tonight. There's a million people in western Connecticut thereabouts, and there's 60 people in church here, and I'm not saying that we're the only people that have Sunday night church, but I dare, dare say that we're the largest congregation of any church on the western side of, of Connecticut. That's amazing. Just us few people. It's amazing. But they, they took for granted the privilege of being children of God. Thirdly, they began to despise the word of the Holy One of Israel and cast away the law of the Lord of hosts. They began to despise the Holy One of Israel and cast away his law. They made light of his Sabbath day and saw no real reason, no real holiness in it. They started abusing and mocking and violating his Sabbath. Now, I know we don't worship on the Sabbath, we get that, but I believe there's something to the Lord's Day. It's spoken of in the New Testament. Then number five, they began to despise the prophets of God to lovingly, that lovingly tried to show them the error of their way. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, we believe, was a stone. We believe that Isaiah was sawn asunder. Uh, history, history tells us these men were despised. They were the great prophets of God. And they were hated. They were imprisoned. They were mocked. And they were eventually executed and killed because of their faithful preaching of the word of God. I'm glad we don't live in the Old Testament today. I'll tell you that much as a preacher. Then number six, they finally, they fell into gross immoral sin and went whoring after other gods. And of course, all this led to their demise. In the New Testament, we could, terminology, we could call what happened to them as simply two words, gospel hardness. Gospel hardness. And they, they got to the point where they, they spiritually, there was, there was, I'll tell you what they did as soon as I put my spectacles back on. They got to the point spiritually where nothing could penetrate them. That's uh, a 15-minute introduction, but let's, let's, let's make our prayer here tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the minutes that we have tonight, Lord, you know my heart. I have no desire to beat up these people here tonight, Lord. They're your people. Lord, they're good people. They love you. Lord, there's a lot of other people in our church that love you tonight that are not here for one reason or another, Lord. Some are away, some are on vacation, some are, uh, can't be here. We pray a prayer blessing on every one of our members of this assembly. Lord, I pray for those we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So just in the minutes that we have tonight, Lord, help as we examine your word tonight and as we prepare for a week of consecration, holy consecration and revival. Lord, help us not to get hardened. Well, thank you for it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, boy. I just got to get context, I think. That's what's got to have to happen. But uh, I heard a preacher 
one of the preachers had preached uh, during the conference, a uh, 75-year-old man. I'm looking at Sister Hasu right now because uh, uh, when I give the reference, she might remember. But he was uh, one of the, I think he preached on the last day or the Thursday night, uh, the fellow from Michigan that was in Ohio now, and he'd been preaching for many, many years. And he, yeah, I can't, he was very animated, to say the least. And uh, he was saying, I preach it to him, and I've been telling him how to live for 40 years, and they don't listen to me! I was trying to give some Southern preaching. That's how he preached, you know. And uh, he says, doesn't matter what I say, they do what they want to do anyhow. And, you know, there's a lot of truth in that, I'm afraid. And I've, I've pastored long enough to know that people are going to do what people want to do, no matter what you say to them. But if you, we have many people that I just, it's sad to me, I have to be very careful here, but we have many people and we're teaching our children to have more respect for their places of work and more respect for their bosses and more respect for their teachers than they do for the things at the house of God. They, they wouldn't think about being late for work, but they think nothing about being late for church or being absent from church. There's, uh, there's three steps to gospel hardness tonight and we're, we're heading into revival meetings and I'm going to make preface right now. I've been doing this for a little while now, this thing called preaching, and I've been pastoring, as you know, for a good while. You people have put up with me for decades now. I thank you for that. And it's 2018. It's no longer 1988. And there used to be a time, and I've given the stories many times, where, man, I wanted to have a big day. I've told the story. I'll just, just off the top of my head. I, I was a 28, 29-year-old kid, preacher, 29 years old. We were running 30 people in church in our little humble building. And I said, we're going to have a big day. So we ran into 30 by 60, 10. I've told the story many times. I invited the mayor of Torrington. Do you know she actually, that Roman Catholic mayor of Torrington actually came to church? I invited several dignitaries. They all came. And I invited a, a preacher, a soft, mellow preacher, a kind preacher, a loving preacher that never says anything offensive. I invited Dan Sousa to come preach at our tent meeting. And he preached the hottest message on hell as I'm sitting right next to Mayor D. Dunny in the front row of that tent meeting and several other people that were there from dignitaries. From We had 190 people in church that Sunday. Listen, if I try to get 190 people in church that Sunday or I, I, uh, this coming next Sunday or I die, we're, I'm dead. I can't do it 30 years later. You used to be able to invite people to church and they used to actually come. There used to be a respect, but those days are gone. Here's, here's the three steps to hard, hard, gospel hardness tonight. It starts with a lackadaisical attitude. We live in a Laodicean age, a laissez-faire age. It's come and go as you please. It's, we're, we're living under grace after all. And they had a, but back even 3,500 years ago, these Israelites, they had a nonchalant attitude towards the things of God. They said, among other things, they said, it doesn't really matter if I miss or desecrate the, the things of God, the, the service of God. Uh, it doesn't matter. Or if I want to stay home, it doesn't matter. You know, folks, and let me just be blunt with you. Uh, there are plenty of times, and I, I, I tattle to Paul a lot of times when we're up here at the, the platform. I understand a lot of people, going back to Sunday night service, I understand a lot of people can't come out. 
I don't understand a lot of people, they, they, they spend all their energy just coming to church this morning. I get that. I understand that. The older you get, the more you understand that, the more understanding you become. And I think especially of our senior saints. But I think in the steps of gospel hardness, churches all across America, I'm, I'm prepping for the meeting next week, we're doing something that people don't even do anymore because it doesn't work like it used to work. Coming to church on Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night, those are things of the past. And I know, again, I, I'm, I'm giving you a pass on purpose. I told you it's a hard message, but in one way it's not. I know you can't be here every night, many of you, even your, your core people. But I want to encourage you to honor and try to be here every night you can be here. If uh, some of you are still able and still have the health to be able to do that and the strength and the stamina to be in the house of God. But these children of Israel, they begin to develop a laissez-faire uh, attitude concerning the Sabbath day. And they said, and if we go back to Jeremiah 17, the latter verses that I read, verses 19 and 23, I believe they are. They began to desecrate and they began to work on the Sabbath day. You know, I mentioned it this morning and it's true, but... Uh, when God, your family comes first, when your work comes first, that means God comes second. And eventually he'll come third, and ultimately he'll come last, or he won't come at all. And if you get used to, I've seen this happen with many Christians, where they begin to work on Sunday, and I know some Christians have to work on Sunday. I, I understand that. Boy, I'm giving you all kinds of passes tonight. I really am. I'm trying to be gracious. But many times we choose to work on Sunday because, well, it's double time, it's overtime, or it's uh, extra in the paycheck, whatever. And we, we, so we've got to do, do it to make ends meet, and God understands. Well, you know what? I think he does understand in one way. I, I think he loves us. He loves us, Jeremiah says, he loves us with an everlasting love. But what am I trying to tell you tonight here? This last day's attitude, where it's happening in America all over, and that is the... the, the, the uh, the church attendance is going down and down and down all across America. I'm not trying to be dis, uh, rather uh, discouraging. Tonight. I'm just telling you the way it is. And uh, this lackadaisical attitude says, well, I can miss church. You know, I know I texted somebody today, this afternoon, just a few, three hours ago, whatever it was now. They weren't here this morning. Hmm, they weren't here last week either. Come to think of it, they weren't here the week before last week. Come to think of it, they weren't here the week before the week before last week, the week before that. You get the picture. I texted this certain individual and said, hey, miss you. Hope you're doing good and so forth. And uh, they've been missing for several weeks and months on end and such. And uh, they just need a word of encouragement, I guess, I suppose. But they lack statistical attitude. Uh, and uh, I, I really have to... Take heed to what, or, or pardon me, another part of the laxadaisical attitude is I really don't have to take heed to everything the Word of God says. I'll let the preacher speak to my heart only when I feel like having him speak to my heart. I uh, have to be careful here and I'm because I'm going to impugn one of our members, but don't ask me after service who I'm talking to, but one of our members... Currently, right now, of our church, they're not here tonight. They weren't here this morning either, for that matter. I was talking to this individual. I won't even identify whether it's, I'm talking about a man or a woman. But they messed up pretty big time because of their sin. And, by the way, it's going to hurt them for the rest of their earthly life. And so we got together a while back, 
And nice talk. I love this person. They love me. I think they love God. But they, uh, I didn't want to shame them. I figured they were already shamed because of what took place. So I just touched on it just in passing, almost again giving them a pass. And I won't, I'm going to be, I'm being evasive on purpose, elusive. And I realized as I touched on it that they, 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 this attitude that they gave me was, hey, it's between me and God. And what I did was, uh, they didn't say this, and they didn't, I don't think they got outright mad at me, but it was like, basically, they, I understood, none of your business, preacher. I know what you say. I know what God's word says. You don't have to remind me of it. You don't have to tell me I'm sinful and so forth. And I didn't, I, I tried to try to be, but just a lackadaisical attitude towards the things of God. Hey, God, I know what your word says, but I don't really care. Wouldn't you say if you get to that point, you, you, might, you, you might need revival? What do you think? I think so. Jeremiah, they, they lightly regarded the word of God. They said, uh, look at Isaiah chapter, I told you to turn to Jeremiah six seventeen, but back to Isaiah chapter number 5 again, verse 24. It says this again. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be rottenness, and their blossoms shall go up as dust. God makes the analogy of nat- natural, the natural environment and flowers and, and uh, wheat and so forth, and he says, I'm going to destroy it. And he basically he's saying, your sin is going to destroy you. And he goes on to say, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. I hope tonight that you're taking in the word of God and you're saying, at least in your spirit, you're saying, preacher, you're right. I agree with you. I agree with what God's word says. I, I need to be, and some of you like to have your proverbial speaking, your toes stepped on. Some of you love that. So the harder I preach, the more you like it. And uh, God, God tells us that uh, we not, this attitude came because they started to forsake the, the Sabbath, the Lord's day. They began to despise the word of the law. But then thirdly, a third point I have, God doesn't, uh, it's manifest in their nonchalant attitude towards service. And God doesn't mind me giving my second best. Uh, he understands. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy might be used to this morning. Our second best. Hey, I'm glad the kids are downstairs. They're practicing for a Christmas program. Do you know that kids need to know, know the story how Jesus Christ came to this earth, how he was born in the manger? They, that, 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 uh, well, the story of Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1, it's important they know these things. And they rehearse these things, like we read about in Deuteronomy this morning, about rehearsing and remembering what God did for us, how he came to this earth, how he took upon the robe of flesh. And I'm glad that we're doing this tonight, and I'm glad that we're getting prepared for a big event in December to have our kids go through the gospel. I remember some place I went to, or some place, some Christmas programs that I went to. I didn't even go to church. But as a little boy, I was brought enough to times to church to get up in front of the, 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 the uh, congregation and sing the first Noel or Silent Night or something like that. 
And so just in review, this first step of gospel hardness starts with a lackadaisical attitude in, uh, towards attendance in God's house, towards the receptiveness to God's word, towards the lack of service to God's work. I mentioned that about the kids. Our workers have to work. They, let me just say this, and they, they can't hear me, uh, but I'm sure there's some, some people down in the nursery this morning or, and then tonight here, and the kids working, or people working down in the children's church, Dale and Marcy, Tim, and you others that work in junior church, every, you miss every Sunday morning because you're working there. Or, well, I guess not Dale and Marcy any longer, but they, now they're with adults. But, but uh, I don't, God sees your labor. Somebody's got to do that. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel, anybody feel, make you feel bad. June Battistoni wanted to come to church yesterday afternoon. She's been wanting to come for several weeks, and, and I couldn't find somebody to get her, give, give her a ride. And I called, and, and not trying to, people are busy, I understand, and so forth. And so finally, I got the brainstorm about 6 p.m. last night. I said, wait a minute, I don't have to teach Chinese school. I'll go myself and pick her up. So I called her up and said, June, I'm going to pick you up myself at 9.55. I'm not trying to blow, the, I, can, I could do that. I'm able to do that. But we have people that need, have needs. And it's a privilege to serve in the house of God, the work of God. It takes sacrifice, but that's part of service. That's part of being a disciple and being a minister of Christ, minister of God. The first step to gospel hardness is, starts with a lackadaisical attitude. But then Jeremiah 17, we finally got back there. I keep having you. Let's look at one more verse again here, verse 23. This progression of gospel hardness that leads to ultimately destruction, as it did with the children of Israel, it starts with a lackadaisical attitude, but then it continues on and it works into a careless attitude, and the key word is careless. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 23 again, one more time. It says, Neither carry forth a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, neither do ye any work but hallow ye the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. Um, well, that was a nice verse, but that was the wrong verse. That's verse 22, verse 23. But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but they made their necks stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. I think there's a progression it starts with a lackadaisical progression, but then it turns into a careless attitude where you could care less. And my eyes are slowly going on me. That's why I got to wear these spectacles. My ears are, 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 are still pretty good. Thank you, Lord. I don't have to wear hearing aids, but I can see that day someday coming. I, I start to get sounds confusing and so forth. And, and uh, where I'm, I could get to the point, I don't think I will, but I could get, some people get to the point where they can't even hear. These people got to the point where they didn't even care if they heard. They didn't want to hear. They could care less. And uh, it develops into a, well, it's okay to miss church to an attitude of, no, I'm just going to, I, there's no way I'm going to come to church. I'm not coming, period. Hey, it's Sunday night, I can tattle. I'm going to tattle. I'm going to tell you. We had somebody come to visit church here just in the last few weeks, a visitor. I told you this this morning. It was, oh, it was so sad, it had been funny. Twelve minutes into the service, I went shaking their hand and they said, I don't wear suits and ties. I don't like suits and ties. I don't think you have to wear them to go to church. And I said, 
you know, I, I didn't raise up my hands, but I, in my heart, I raised up my hand. I said, I'm sorry, I, I'm the pastor. It's like I wear suits and ties, I'm sorry. And I said something about it, I had a smile on my face. And then they said, and your music is boring. He said, I don't like this music. And, and, uh, I, and, and I mean, this is the first, I've just done it, I've never heard this first in my life. <laughs> 12 minutes into this thing, and they're already critiquing, and they, they had come from another church, and they bashed that church before. In one minute, they, they bash, 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 bash. I knew this morning, being a betting man, I said, I doubt if they're going to be in church this morning. I, I didn't think they'd be here. And sure enough, they weren't here this morning. And, uh, but they got to the point where they, they could care less about, they're not even convicted about their ears become stiff or hard to hear, hearing and deaf to the things of God. They don't even care. I know some people, I'm going back in Ohio, to my mind, in my mind in Ohio and growing up and Every once in a while, I get asked by a guy named, by, by the name, his first name is Dave. And uh, uh, I, this is in Ohio now, but Dave was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Dave tithed. Dave went on visitation. Dave was on fire for the Lord. He couldn't get enough of God. And then something, some things happened in his life and so forth and so on. And Dave got out of church. And when he got out of church, he got out of church. And it's only been lasting for 45 years. I was talking to some friends, Pastor Bennett's uh, one and only daughter, of course, and says, how's Dave? Oh, I don't see him once every five years, she says, but he's a mess. He's on his third marriage, and I'm not sure if that's lasted, and he's, uh, got, got, he's, he's just a mess last time I saw him. Why? He got to the point where he could care less. Hey, let me just, you don't need this, but I'll say it anyhow for those that, it concerns me, uh, in regards to Sunday mornings, but I've, I've learned to accept it. It's amazing what you see up here if you start to look. You know, you probably say, preacher, it's amazing what we see looking down there up here. I get it. But uh, <laughs> when you're sitting up here and you look down there during the congregational singing, some of you are singing, some of you are happy. You're singing with all your might, and most of you do that. But I'll see people... For three minutes of... Shout to the Lord, you know, joy to the Lord, you know. For three minutes. And if you're not careful, you can start looking at that up here. I don't think they're having a good time. You start saying that to yourself. And, and he's put a new song in our, our mouth, even praise to our God. The Bible says, Psalm 149, verse 6, sing the high praises of God. Oh, boy. Let the high praises of God be in, your, in their mouth. And uh, we're supposed to be praising the Lord. We heard one preacher, the last preacher, I think we heard one of the last preachers, he said, he preached on Psalm 145, 146, 147, 148, 149, the first verse and last verse. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Ten times it says, that everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. There's a time where we get to the point where we don't praise the Lord anymore. That's gospel hardness. Israel got to the point where they could care less whether they, they praised God or they, and they could care less whether whatever the prophet of God said it didn't matter to them at all. And that leads to the third thing, third step, and it's, it's a progression. And I've seen this in people's lives. I've lived long enough to see it, and many of you have lived long enough to see it, where gospel hardness begins with a lackadaisical attitude and then it goes into a careless attitude, more of a, more of a careless, like, you know, it doesn't matter. I know 
they, you know the truth, but you don't do the truth. You know, it's one thing to know. It's another thing to do, right? James chapter 1. We know what's right. Most of us in this room, we almost, most of us know what we should be doing and how we should be living. We know it. I don't have to tell you. You already know. But actually doing it, that's the hard part. <laughs> and Brother Jim, I just caught Brother Jim's eyes because he preached on James chapter 1, a book of doing on Wednesday night, of course. And, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, uh, but there's last days of attitude, careless attitude. And then it leads to, a, thirdly, a brazen attitude. An attitude that says, I don't care what God says. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do my own thing when I want to, where I want to, and it doesn't matter. I, I'm, this is my life. I told the story. Enough years have gone by. And I have to be careful. I couldn't say this on Sunday morning because, well, I just couldn't say it because of certain somebody. But uh, I went to a funeral. I buried several people of this, this, in this family I had the funeral, but one person died, and they didn't want me to, they wanted me to come to the funeral, but they didn't want me to say anything, and I didn't. And for their eulogy, if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny. I sat there, and I was with somebody else, and I can remember this man that I was with, he was crying. But we got serenaded to, I'm not making this up. I could be funny right now. I did it my way, through it all. Who, who, who was that? Who, who did it? How do you know that? Shame on you. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. They played the classic song from Frank Sinatra. Well, we'd like to remember our friend, our loved one, by how he lived his life. I did it my way. And you know what? He did do it his way. And by the way, he died 23 or 30 years earlier than he should have died because he did it his way. And while I'm preaching, his family's a mess today. What's left of it, those that are alive, several are dead because he did it his way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but then there are the ways of death. He that being often reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. Again, I have to be careful, but... It's been a number of years, enough years have gone by that most, all of you in this room, in fact, I can be loose enough where nobody knows who I'm talking about. But God's my witness, I'm telling you a true story. Somebody I baptized, I had their funeral, but they decided they were going to do things their way. And at a very young age, I'll leave the age left alone, but younger than most people in this room, they said, I'm going to do it my way. They did it their way, and they got in their car. I think it was a Saturday night or Friday night, whatever night it was. And they decided to do their speed their, their own way, too. And they didn't make a curve. And they've been in... I preached, tried to preach them into heaven, but I think they're probably in hell tonight. I baptized this person. They were a member of our church. Enough years have gone by, I can tell you this. I don't think this person ever was truly a believer in Christ. Maybe they are, and maybe they're saved yet so it's by fire, and they're, I believe that some Christians go to heaven backslidden. But the Lord gives, the, if God cast away his people, and his anger is stretched out still, the Bible says. I have several verses. He that hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, not without remedy. We'll make a blanket statement, and we'll invite all of our church body to come to the revival next week. 
Some will be providentially hindered. Some won't be able to come. Some of you guys are going to work late and not be able to get here in time. I get it. But some are going to say, no way, I'm not coming. Good night. Are you kidding me? I don't come Sunday morning, let alone Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night, whatever. They're not going to come because they say, no. There's no thing he can say that that preacher can say, that preacher man can say, that will affect my heart or affect my life. I've heard it all. I know it. I'm good with God and God's good with me. Tough. That's their attitude. People get gospel hardened. I'm telling you, I've seen it. Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about? Sure you have. Two last points here, just a just little, little addendum wrapping this message up this night, tonight here. But ask, ask the question, I'm sure there's more than two, but I just have two. Why do people get gospel hardened? Why do people get hardened to the things of God? Why do people not care about the word of God, the, the preaching of the word of God? Why do people not want to uh, come to the house of God? Why, do, why does that happen? Well, number one, it could very well happen because natural... They're not saved. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness, and neither can he know them for their spiritually discerned. Some of you people actually have liked this last 25 minutes in the house of God. Other people say, why would I want to come on a Sunday night and get screamed at for 35 minutes? Did I scream at you? I'm trying not to scream. I'm trying to be nice. But some people, let me get serious. They, they, their, their issue is they need a new heart. Turn to one verse here, and we'll, we'll, we're almost done here. Jeremiah 24, turn there. I want you to see this verse. Why do some people, listen, there's going to be, I know it's a Sunday evening, for example, and I can't see the cars right now. Those trees are growing in, by the way. I used to be able to see the road real good now, but I, I can't see right out there now. I'm not seeing any, any lights pass. But how many, if we've got 70 people in church tonight, upstairs and downstairs, Oh, there's a car. I just saw one. How many people passed this church in the last 35 minutes? Hundreds, probably. Probably hundreds. They, I'm sure they all turned their heads. Oh, there's the church of God. It's open. I should have been there tonight. Yeah, you're laughing too. I don't think they said that. I don't think they turned their head. I think 99.99% of them that passed our church didn't even look at us. Didn't even think about us or think about God or the house of God, the lights on and so forth. Not even, we're not even a blip on the radar screen. <laughs> Come to church on a Sunday night service? Are you kidding me? Come on Sunday morning? Are you kidding me? Come at all? That's just a bunch of religious, religious uh, debauchery, religious tomfoolery. They would have, they'd mock at these things. People say, why won't they come to revival meetings? Well, Jeremiah, I told you to turn to Jeremiah 24, verse 7. Here's why. I will give them in heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. They need a, they need a, that wasn't the verse I wanted to share with you. It was one of the verses in regards to a new heart. They need a new heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're not having, quote unquote, evangelistic meetings, although I'd like to have evangelistic meetings. We're having revival meetings. Revival meetings are for God's children. 
But why are people get gospel hard? People are, why are they gospel hearted? Number one, they're not saved. But number two, and my last point, they're saved people, but they're, they have a poor memory. I have seven verses here from Jeremiah 2.32, Jeremiah 3.21, 13, 13.25, 18.15, 23.27. Uh, but we can say it this way. They forget what God has done for them. They forget that God gave his best. He gave his all. And they, they grow hard in their heart towards, they have a poor memory of the fact that they've been redeemed. They've been brought up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and they set their feet upon a rock and established their going. They lost their, as Revelation 2 says, they lost their first love. Do you remember, did you ever have a first love? If you've been saved, you had a first love. Where you fell in love with the Lord, where the Lord, where the Lord touched your heart. You loved him. But the Lord said, nevertheless, in Revelation 2, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. I want to keep a hot heart for God. You know, the older I get, the harder I realize it is, the longer you live the, to stay on fire for the Lord. One of the messages we heard uh, at the conference was the fire, Leviticus 17.11, I think it is. Or 11.17, maybe. 17.11, I think. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Oh, give me a hot heart for God. Help me love the Lord like I should. And uh, I'm not talking about just emotionalism. I'm talking about a fervency and a dedication to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why are we having revival meetings in end? Why are we having revival meetings? We want to recall people, we want to we call people to come back to the house of God, to get back into the, their heart with the heart of, heart of the Lord and love his word and love preaching and fall in love with God more. And why are we, why are we having these revival meetings? To glorify God for the furtherance and advancement of his kingdom until he comes. And we're going to do this until he comes by God's grace because he's worthy. He deserves it. He deserves our best. And our more love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee, O Christ. This be our prayer. And that's why we're having revival meetings Steps to gospel hardness. It starts off less, less daily. It goes to a careless attitude. And if you're not careful, you'll harden to the point where you get brazen. But I will say this to you tonight. You've listened to me faithfully for 39 minutes here, I think I've been going here. And it's time to close here. I know you love the Lord. I just want to encourage you, challenge you to love the Lord more, to fall in love with him and to draw close to him. We'll sing that song, Draw Me Nearer and Nearer, Precious Lord, in just a moment. Let's draw a Bible chair. Heavenly